that's all film. Time speed is what it is. Uh, I take playing speed as a more important gauge than time speed. Me personally, I probably watch more film on him than any prospect that I could ever remember watching film on, ever remember watching film on. That's all film. Because everyone said, well, he ran real slow. It's an alert. I said, okay, well, games that I watched, I didn't see him get run by. It's an alert. With the 53rd pick in the 2017 National Football League draft, the Detroit Lions have selected Tease Tabor. All right. First post-regular season back judge podcast. Right back in the offseason where we like to be. New intro, draft season, it's all here. Um, no, Sam's going on this on this show. Got Tommy and Lee Murray, just some draft boys in the house. But we do kind of want to do a quick retrospective on the Super Bowl, even though obviously a week ago and you know a lot, basically everything that has had to be said has been said. But I guess the big back judge takeaway is Boy King. Yeah, yeah, we knew it. The Boy King was in the position. He was in the throne, but he did not deserve to be there. And when the times got tough. He was unable to lead his country. He, yeah. There, you know. So I, I just—that's what was kind of the big takeaway for me—is that even in the first half, it was like, all right, like Brady's playing terrible, Goff's playing terrible, but it's Brady and it's Goff. Like you just kind of knew who was going to get it done, and uh, and just like a great defensive masterpiece too from both uh, Wade Phillips, Brian, and Brian Flores and Bill Belichick. The proper boy king analogy is that. Belichick and Brady came in for this big family royal feast dinner, and they slipped him that cyanide, and McVeigh had to watch his boy king die right in front of him because that's exactly what happened with the pressures. I mean, it was just kind of the epitome of all the negatives that we've had on Jared Goff for the existence of this podcast kind of came to fruition. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what happened. And, you know, Brady didn't have a good – I mean, my takeaway, I mean, Julian Edelman, man, just the ultimate gamer – Baller, uh, you know, that was just a great performance, an MVP performance. He just uh, has to be in the discussion for one of the clutchest players, at least that I've, uh, I've ever seen. So it's a great, uh, great performance from him. And the Rams, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know. It was just the Patriots D uh, showed up, and it just showed that they can win, you know, any other way. They've So just They great, put the game on 16 shoulders, man. And I'll tell you, he really I'll throw Goff a bone and I say and I'll say he absolutely looked like the boy king out there, but he really if you look back on some of those plays, he had nowhere to go with the ball. Yeah. Nowhere to go with it. More of a and I mean the passers was getting after him. It was more of an entire offensive failure. Um you know, I would thing very odd. Yeah, too. yeah. I heard a thing too that Bill Belichick would throw a defense out there and then they would completely change it after the fifteen seconds was gone and McVeigh wasn't in Goff's ear anymore. That's when the you know helmet radio shuts off and the play clock's at 15 seconds. So they'd show one look to McVeigh and he just wouldn't, and then they'd completely switch it and there was just no time to adjust and Goff didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and that's just Belichick philosophy right yeah. there, one on one, and that's just, why he's got those six mind runs. games. And it's just that the way that they execute, you know, on every level. I mean, it's it's so amazing. It will never really cease to amaze any of us, I'm sure. Uh, and, you know, it's just a special thing that we're looking at. It really is greatness uh, in sports. So. And uh, quite the cherry on top for an offensive year in the NFL. Yes. We, we saw love that, to see it. We love Chiefs to see Rams it. We love to see it. Oh, the game that changed seven. football. Yeah. 
Well, I, and, and the line being set in the championship at, uh, you know, the highest it had ever been in, in, in the Super Bowl era, you know, 13-3. Uh, to three. Yep. Right, right when you think you've got the NFL yeah. figured out, it, it, it throws you for a loop. So yeah. that was that shout was nice. Out, shout out Malkinson. Yeah, exactly. Shout out Cincinnati and Arizona shaking in their boots after hiring Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor, seeing a thirteen to three yeah. Super Bowl. You don't think they're you know second guessing their decisions? <laughs> Come on now. That's enough of that though. It's, it's, it's twenty nineteen. It's twenty nineteen. It's draft season. February post NFL. It's just a great time of year. I was reflecting during my silent. Oh, well, can we quickly? Yeah. Quickly. Let's shout out to the silent reflection. I mean, what if you you know just for those who are unaware, uh, the Super Bowl halftime show is one of the worst things in sports. Uh, really, just a terrible event. Uh, always just milk toast artists coming to the stage, overproduced and lacking good content. You know, it's a, they think they can get away with fireworks and light shows, but you know, if it, the music just never is good. And uh, I have never watched the Super Bowl halftime show since the Katy Perry left shark thing. That's when I uh, gave it up. That was it. Yep. And uh, I like to just silently reflect during the 30, you know 20 25 minute halftime. Going this year, I went into my room, and uh, well, I walked from my buddy's apartment back to uh, this my my own you know home, and then I laid in bed and listened to Pyramids by Frank Ocean and Every Day by ASAP Rocky, and just thought about it. You know, just put, put my hood up, my hat over my eyes, and just stared into the darkness. And really just a therapeutic uh, moment for me. Very much enjoyed it. And I know Lee also just had an amazing experience. Yeah, I started – similar to Clef, I turned uh, – I have uh, turned a blue light on in my room. It was very, uh, very you know, very nice. A, a nice blue hue tone to my room. Laid on my back in my bed. And it was uh, – I will say it was the closest I've ever gotten to, to a meditative state. I started out evaluating the game, and as as a time went on, I found myself reevaluating my life. So, uh, I can't say enough good things about the Super Bowl halftime reflection, and I and I would highly suggest it to anybody who's a football fan or a Super Bowl fan and is tired of the bogus halftime shows that these corporate suits are throwing at us. Go ahead, take that 15 minutes to yourself, reflect on the game, maybe you'll get somewhere. And uh, like David Lynch says, maybe you'll catch the big fish. Wow, I, uh, I'm sold. And I was, I was one of the unlucky ones whose eyes were, were purged uh, <laughs> as I had a, a guest. Uh, Adam over. Levine, you saw Adam Levine's <laughs> bare chest. It's not even, well, we can get in the, 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 the thing, he is California tattooed across his, his abs. It's just, I just don't, uh, man, I really don't, uh, I really don't get that. It really blew my mind. Uh, and you know, him rapping along with Travis Scott and doing his little, his little, needless to say, you'll be reflecting next year. <laughs> it was, uh, it was awful. So I will, I will be participating next year. Uh, let's get into some, some, some draft talk. Hey eh, boys. Absolutely. Let's. So just kind of as a, Setting this up for you, obviously, first episode of draft season. We're still not – we haven't really gotten in in on any of these uh, prospects. I mean, we have some some preliminary thoughts. Tommy and I have been grinding the tape. Murray famously waiting until the end of the season. But mm. that QB room is going to be opening up shop Absolutely. real quick. Um, dusting off the shelves and changing the light bulbs in there. We're getting ready for a new season. Um, so we'll be bringing to you uh, some positional group breakdowns over the next uh, few weeks leading up to the combine and then uh, a little bit into free agency for sure. 
we'll definitely do a free agency primer as well. Um, but just for now, giving you just a little bit of insight on some players that specifically we have uh, an eye on or guys that were a little, you know, hesitant to, mm-hmm. to buy in completely on that maybe other people are. So basically what's just going to happen is the three of us are going to give you three guys. First guy is going to be one that we're just completely on, in on, sold, you know, just draft him high, first round type of pick. Um, doesn't even have to be an under the radar. It can just be a dude who's just getting that respect in those mock drafts in the community and just – you know, you just think he's really going to be a great NFL player. One of your dudes, so to speak. Yeah, the guy you're going to stand on the table for and and just really just pound. You know, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> David Put, give me da- David Putney. David Putney. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the next one is going to be just a dude who is you see that people are talking about as a high pick, but you're just not really seeing the hype on someone who uh, just at this point in time you're hesitant on. And then third is going to be an under the radar dude, day two, day three kind of player who you think is going to be a significant, you know, NFL impact guy, starter um, level player that just isn't getting enough hype. And then obviously, just as a disclaimer, I mean, it's February, pod, uh, combine hasn't even happened yet. Still a lot of tape to be watched, but just kind of our initial impressions on some players. Um, so, Tommy, you want to start us off? Just yeah, I'd love to see T Bone start us off. Tommy, let's let's just clear clear the air. Tommy's been Tommy's Mr. February Draft Fever. <laughs> this guy has been working the tape like none other. So let's let's get the inaugural draft season kickoff uh, here with with, with T Bone. Thanks, boys. Uh, so, are we going with the? Uh, the, Just go ahead and give us your guy first, and then Klepp will go, then well, me. And then we'll, I'm we'll sorry. Are we, are we going – what category are we going right now? Are we going uh, – your, your dude. Let's start with your dude. Your dude. Jeez, man. I'm going to have to – Tom, this uh, is supposed to be something that we, knew, we already know. <laughs> I, have, I have the other two ones, and I didn't have this one, so I uh, – um, Hey, we'll give you some time. I can. <laughs> uh, you got a pro there's, editor. There's multiple dudes. I mean, I'll just go – I mean, uh, all right. I'll talk about TJ Hawkinson as, as my dude. Is that, is that okay? Oh, I love that. I think that's perfect. Because I think TJ Hawkinson is a guy, he's coming out of Iowa. No offense to the other tight end there who's getting uh, – I mean, TJ Hawkinson is now getting a lot, of, a lot of love now because I think everyone's watching his tape and it's just hard not to fall in love with his skill set. And he's kind of a lot like O.J. Howard, uh, kind of when O.J. was coming out of Alabama where he does everything so well. He's an athletic freak. I'm sure he's going to – kill the combine I'm not I mean I would love to see what he's going to run that's going to be uh interesting but when you turn on his tape he really doesn't have that many weaknesses to his game he high points the ball very well he can block and he's just the ideal tight end and I think that he is a a George Kittle type player you saw what George Kittle could do did uh you know this year with the 49ers and I think Hawkinson is better than Kittle uh well at least when Kittle compared to where when they both were coming out Hawkinson really is just a I think a game-changing type player and Someone who could get drafted in the top fifteen, which is kind of yeah, was, um, that's what I was going to ask you about, Tommy. If you're a team in the top ten, would you just pull the trigger? I mean, if if a team like the Jaguars or the Bills could, if they had more pieces around them, like if the Jaguars had a quarterback, I think that would be a really good pick for them because he can help mm-hmm. in the run game already. He can help a lot of the things that they can do, and then the pass game, he could be great for a quarterback. I think the Packers is a really interesting spot where they could take him. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I've seen him mock there a couple times. Obviously, Daniel Jeremiah mocked him to the Lions. We don't have to talk about that. But that was Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah's inaugural mock. Yeah, I'm going to the Lions at seven. Oh, that would um, be. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I like Hawkinson much better. But the, reminds me of the uh, time who was the uh, got David Njoku. 
yeah. um, was getting mocked to the Lions back in the day, and we were praying that that wasn't going to happen. Tommy, I think if like you predict, uh, Hawkinson does in fact kill the combine. I would I would find it hard to see him really slipping past fifteen. Yeah, you know yeah. if he goes out there and just and, and, and is a freak uh, of nature that we we uh, we assume he is. I find it hard really to see see team too many teams passing well, up on the, this guy. The thing is, guys, I just this there's so many guys here. Maybe it's just because this is all before the combine and the narratives necessarily haven't been set, but there's just so much I don't know, I just think there's so much talent in this draft that I feel like the twenties are gonna be ripe with guys that are still really good, you know. Um it's just really gonna depend on what these teams you know, who these guys like. Rashawn Gary could be a top five pick. I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of your guys, uh, you know, guys that you're not buying potentially for now. So Hawkinson's going to be my uh, my stud, if you will, to start it off. Uh, who's going to start it off? I'm going to bring to the table Devin Bush. Guy I was watching yesterday. You sold me. You sold me. If you want to jump in no, on no, it, no, 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 go oh ahead. Oh, my God. Go ahead, go I ahead. mean, if you just want to – I mean, I hate Michigan. Like, hate Michigan. So, like, I just automatically have a disposition where if I turn on a Michigan player to, like, tape, I'm, like, going to be against them. Um, but, like, I remember even – I went back and watched the Notre Dame game, and he's just, like, popping people left and right. Um, his one – he's, like, not bad in coverage. I think the limitation is when he has to turn and run with the guy. Like, he's pretty yeah. decent in zone feel and, like, you know, being in the right position and taking away – throwing lanes um but in terms of like running backs maybe running like a wheel on him or if he has to cover a tight end and they go deep he's definitely gonna have some issues there and he doesn't really have great i mean he's like 5'11 six foot so the length isn't exactly there either you know a lot of like we look at a guy like last year like tremaine edmonds i mean his thing is even not even that like he's that great in pass coverage is that he's so long yeah and just quarterbacks it just makes the window so much tighter um, yeah. So that's kind of the one knock on Devin Bush, which is why I kind of think you're not seeing him as a maybe a top 20 pick. But I've been surprised that I haven't seen him in the back end of first rounds and mocks. I mean, this guy definitely deserves to go 20 through 32 on day one. Um, he's just a really sideline to sideline speed is great. Um, you're not going to have many issues with that. And he's just a finisher. He's like 235, six foot. He's like built. And um, I, I just really like him. Yeah. And also great, great versatility. Blitzes a lot, can line up on the outside and the edge, can line up as a middle linebacker, which is just like huge. Every, I mean, everything in the NFL these days is like about positionless or just being able to change week to week. And he's a guy that you don't have to just put at middle linebacker. He can do a multitude of things. Yeah. Just to add on a little bit to, to what you said, because I had – he was my guy in mm-hmm. mind, uh, believe it or not. I had the exact same. Just because I'm a Michigan fan, I watched a majority of their snaps this year. And Devin Bush is just a guy who I think is about as close to a campus prospect as you can find. Like Klepp said, there aren't too many holes in his game. I think he's lo- he's an absolute football player, loves the game, and uh, is going to bring that mentality to the locker room wherever he goes. So I love that uh, love that stud pick from Klepp. And I'm going to make this one easy on myself, and I'm not going to overthink it. And I'm just going to go ahead and say Kyler Murray. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the quarterback guy, so <laughs> to speak, of this threesome. And uh, I think Kyler Murray is just, uh, you know, an absolute uh, consummate consummate pro. And, and he's a guy that the only real knock on him is his size and height. And I think in the, you know, new era NFL, so to speak, where guys like Russell Wilson and, and, and I know Baker Mayfield's a little bit thicker than him and a little bit taller than him. Uh, and a lot of people think 6'1", 220 is all the difference in the world to 5'11", uh, 185. But I think once Kyler Murray gets gets into an NFL system and a team declares him as their guy, so to speak, 
that the sky is the limit for this guy, honestly. He's got all the tools. He can make all the throws. He's an incredible athlete. He's been playing at the highest level at every single level, starting at a freshman in one of the most competitive high school football divisions in the country, going to Oklahoma and, and having huge shoes to fill uh, behind Baker Mayfield and going just as far uh, uh, you know, yeah. putting up the same record and, and losing in the same uh, game, so to speak, that uh, Baker Mayfield did. I think Kyler Murray, especially after watching what Baker did last year, not saying that those guys are too synonymous, but just in terms of the impact that they bring to the team they're on, Kyler Murray is just an absolute baller, a can't-miss guy. And, you know, in my eyes, if Miles Garrett was the guy two years ago and Saquon was the guy last year, I really think Kyler Murray is the guy this year where it's like this is the guy that's going to come in and – immediately make that impact and make it and, and, you know, have as, you know, as important as the quarterback position can be, can, can be as impactful as three or four wins in a season. I really do think that he's that special. So I'm really excited to see, I'm glad that he's, you know, committed to, uh, to football and I'm really excited to see what he can do. I really think that his potential is through the roof and I'm so excited to see, uh, see him change, change the game a little bit because I think he's a special player. Is there a team in the top 10 that you think, should be done. I think the New York Giants should do everything in their power to get Kyler Murray on their football team. I think that if you team Kyler Murray with Odell and Saquon on offense, there is no chance that offense isn't producing big numbers and causing absolute fits for opposing Mm -hmm. defensive coordinators. And, you know, you want to talk about New York having a middle of the pack or maybe below average offensive line. I'm not saying Kyler is some superhero that's never going to get touched, but it's going to help that he's got the feet that he does and the, uh, pocket intuition that he does because he's not an easy guy to take down. Like Tommy told me yesterday in one of Quinnen Williams, another great prospect, one mm-hmm. of his interviews, he said that Kyler Murray is the toughest player he's ever played against and toughest quarterback to get his hands on. And I totally believe that slippery player and just a guy that can spread the field around and just the, I mean, come on, the idea of him, Saquon and Odell on an offense, that's a, that's a force to be reckoned with right there. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Talk, you, if you have anything to say to that, but you can get to your uh, well, middle. I, just, I, I, I think a lot of the same things about Kyler, and he's I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Um, and I, the only the only knock against him is, is his height, and I just think that that, especially now with the way that the game is going, and you've seen, I mean, if I'm a team like the Jaguars, the Giants, even the, uh, I mean, the Miami and the Redskins, if they, like, teams should be, Obviously, it would be harder for them, but I think he's that type of guy that you, if you need a quarterback, that's the guy this year. That's the that's the one guy that you know he's a franchise quarterback. And I, I mean, I like Dwayne Haskins a lot, and I think he could be. Of, I mean, I guess he could be a franchise, but I guess a superstar. I think Kyler Murray could be a superstar, you know. And I think as a quarterback position nowadays, that makes you. And look at what happened with Kansas City this year. Obviously, the weapons around him, but that just shows you. He goes to Jacksonville. He's got Leonard Fournette, who should be better. I mean. They've got weapons on the outside. Their line should be better next year. Uh, and they got the defense, you know. it's That's the only missing piece, really. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I, I just had a, had a take the other day, which is something we'll probably get into more as the draft comes closer. But if I was a team, and I'm not as high on Kyler. I haven't watched him enough yet. But just in terms of, you know, we're kind of where you guys are at. I'm not ready to anoint him as QB1 or anything like that. But just based off of the games that I've watched Oklahoma in and just, you know, the few things I've seen with Kyler, like if you're a team that's going to be giving up assets for a quarterback, trading up into the top 10, potentially, like we're talking about Miami, 
um, Redskins potentially, or even just the Giants or the Jags trying to go up to one and just make sure that they get their dude. Like, I wouldn't be trading away assets to go get a guy like Haskins because I just think, like, the ceiling isn't there for it to be worth it where you're giving up potential picks that maybe Haskins just isn't going to be able to overcome that issue. You know, I mean, we look at, too, like, you look at Houston. I mean, they're kind of struggling right now because they don't really have an offensive line. And they gave away a lot of assets to pick Deshaun, but he's a dude that can overcome it. Like, he makes your team that much better where it's worth it, and he's able to push the team further with less. But if you're moving up for a dude like Haskins or even if, you know, Daniel Jones or Drew Locke gets that top 10 buzz going at the end of the process here, like, I don't know if those guys will necessarily have the overall just talent to make up for the, you know, hole you're putting your team in a little bit and Kyler absolutely has that talent to make it so hey even though we're giving up future picks future starters you know in the first round um it's, it's going to be fine because this dude is going to be able to help us overcome but that'll kind of end the collar stuff but tommy do you want to throw out a guy that maybe you're not as high on um yeah i definitely can do that um are those other two ready <laughs> We're leaving this in. <laughs> yeah, leave it in. Leave it in. I guess I'll go with Greg Little. I guess I'll go with Greg Little a little bit because he's getting a lot of first-round buzz for me, and I think that this uh, – you say who he is? Hmm? Oh, he's, a, he's an offensive tackle from Ole Miss. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think that I obviously in the second round uh, or the th- third round, if he's that there, I think it's, uh, it's worth – but I, I just think this offensive line class is, is really good. Uh, you know, Jawan Taylor, Jonah Williams I think are both – like bona fide players at the tackle position, even I mean Jonah Williams, we were talking about before we started recording, has some concerns now that he uh, isn't long enough to play at the tackle position and isn't athletic enough necessarily to do in the NFL, but he still would make a really good guard and at the next level. Uh, so and I like there's a lot of guys, Dalton Reisner, Cody Ford. I mean we could keep I could keep going really about the uh, offensive linemen on that I just think are are better than uh, Greg Little. And Greg Little had, was a five star recruit coming out of high school. Um, I just am not. I, it's kind of hard to pick a guy that, to like hate on a little bit because these guys, these kids are all like really good football players, you know. And, you know they've achieved a lot, but uh, you're just more just saying that where he's being mocked right now and yeah, thought just too high. I've seen him as like a top twenty, top fifteen uh, pick. I've, earlier he was a top ten pick. He's kind of dropped a little bit now because I, but you know, I just am not seeing that. Would you see, like not spend a first round pick on him? Uh, I don't think I don't think I would. Especially, yeah. you don't think he probably is going to play right tackle? I, I feel like I don't know. I mean, right tackle is valuable, obviously. I just think there's a lot of other bona fide Bradbury. Inter- there's a lot of good interior linemen that I would rather take. Uh, there's just a lot of other linemen I think that I have. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna go with Brian Burns, man. He's just a cat that everyone's freaking out about. His, you know, the talent is undeniable. I mean, really, and he had sack production in the ACC. Um, I just like wouldn't pick an edge player that's 230 pounds. You know, like I'm just like not going to do that. And I mean, I'm really good. I'm going to be interested to see what he weighs in at, at the combine. See if he maybe beefs up to 245, 250. Um, you know, I'm not like a weight guy, but I or like a weight tough. training person. But I feel like he could maybe put on a few more pounds. Um, I just I don't know. I just think his his the way that he's going to win in the NFL is literally only going to be with speed. Like there's no power threat whatsoever. If you watch him on film, there's just a lot of times where he just gets stonewalled. Like, I mean, t- tackles can just get their hands on him and he just stops. 
You know, so, I mean, if you're a tackle and you know that the, this dude's a one-trick pony, all he can do is get around me on the edge with speed. And he's great at it. And he has, you know, decent hand usage and stuff like that. But I just feel like once you get to the NFL, like, he's even if he is, like, you know, pretty decent, he can still just do things like chip him with a tight end. And, like, is he going to be able to really recover from that? Like, is he going to be is he gonna be able to fight off a tight end that chips him on the line? And he's not going to be able to maybe, you know, do a stunt where he goes into the interior. Like, that's just not going to be able to be a thing with him. Whereas, like, other dudes, like, I mean, I'm a big Cleveland Farrell fan. That's a guy that if there's a guard that's struggling, line him up right in front of him. You know, starting guard goes out and in comes a backup. We, we saw that with, like, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram in the uh, in the divisional game against the Ravens. I think it was Bosman had to come in. Yeah, and just got abused because they were just like, all right, we're gonna throw our best edge rushers on the interior and just, you know, play games with this guard who, you know, just just isn't good enough. And I just don't think that's gonna be an option with Burns. So uh, I'm looking forward to see, you know, if he puts on weight at the combine and whether that affects his athletic ability. Because I mean, it's one thing if he puts on 20 pounds, and it's another if he doesn't show out as well because he put on the extra weight. Um, so overall, I just like wouldn't pick him in the top 20 even just, I just wouldn't really go there with Brian Burns and he's a dude that potentially could honestly get picked in the top 10. Yeah. I I think there's a definite, I'm a, I'm a big Brian Burns guy. And I think, I think he could be playing a line, uh, like outside linebacker in a three, four, like at the next level. And I I don't know. I just like with his athleticism and I don't know. You you, you I I understand that he can like play that position and like cover and stuff, which is cool. But it's like if you're picking him in the top ten, like you're picking him to be like a ten sack a year dude. You better have phenomenal hands and phenomenal bend if you're going to be taking him in the top ten because like which he does, and so like that's why he's getting that consideration. I'm just saying I wouldn't pick a dude who can only win that like with he has no power ability. So yeah, and like the run game, he can just get blocked by a tight end. Yeah. Tight ends can literally just block him in the run game, you know. So I don't know. That's enough on that. But just Brian Burns is a guy for me at the moment. Um, I'm not buying the hype. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna step in and be the villain and, and bring up the uh, the rolling the rolling Murray boys argument. And uh, I'm gonna say my my most overrated player in the draft is receiver from Ole Miss, DK Metcalf. Uh, I, I, I we like to call Jared Goff Boy King. I call DK Metcalf DK Metcalf Lab King. <laughs> Oh, looks God. like he looks like looks like a a football scientist created this guy in a lab. Uh, you know, all I hear Tommy say, "Oh, look at the frame, six three, two fifteen, six four, two twenty five. Look at he looks like a Greek god. This, that, and the other. Well, I I'm gonna and this may sound like ignoramus, but uh, <laughs> when you when you bring up a guy from a school like Old Miss where. His stats don't really line up with the stats of an elite receiver. I know his quarterback wasn't great, but we're, we're talking about a guy who we're based on the receivers that have been taken in the in the first round of the NFL draft the past four or five years. I think let me put it this way: I think it's an extreme risk to be taking a receiver in the in the first fifteen to twenty picks yeah. based off his measurables. And based off what you think he can be athletically, especially when he has an injury history, which DK Metcalf does. Now, I'm not saying DK Metcalf can't be a very good receiver. I think he has great potential. I've told Tommy this. I think he's got great potential, and I do think he's one of the better receivers in the class. That being said, I think it would be an absolute catastrophe for a team like the Bills to go ahead and take him with their 10th pick. And, and, and think that this guy's going to come in and be Julio just because he looks, you know, in the underwear Olympics, he's blowing everybody away. And, you know, I don't want to turn this into a DK Metcalf hate session, but 
He did not put up the numbers that an elite receiver should be putting up in the SEC. I don't care who's your quarterback. Okay. You play for Ole Miss, and I just it just, something doesn't add up for me. Something just doesn't add up for me with DK Metcalf, and I think that it, it, the the transition from college to the NFL, you better stand out if you're going to be uh, an NFL receiver. Like you know we, that little segment that uh, Ocho Cinco and To had with. Riley Ridley, where they were talking about there's something that makes Odell different. There's something that makes AB different. There's something that makes Julio different. And I'm not saying that there isn't anything that can make DK Metcalf different, but I'm just saying that I in no way think that he is head and shoulders above any other receiver that that is brought up in the same category with him. And I think it's uh, absolutely unfair to be consistently ranking this guy above guys like Marquise Brown, uh, Nikhil Harry, and Debo Samuel and guys like that because I think – I, I just think that, you know, the lab factor kind of uh, turns turns your eyes into hearts and uh, and can cause some disillusion. Okay, so okay. all right. You won. You, you need to watch. You need to watch. He played two years. So he's, he registered his freshman year. He, he played. He was I, I wa- Tommy, I watched, I watched Ole Miss. Don't tell me I didn't watch Ole Miss. I watched I watched CK Metcalf play football. Like, what, what I, just because I haven't watched his highlight what are his tape doesn't mean. weaknesses at NFL level in terms uh, of – Putting him in an offense as a weapon and just having it's a, he's not at Ole Miss anymore. It's DK. It's dude, like all like that's why all these. He's what makes him better than Laquan Treadwell? What do you mean? What makes what him makes him better than Laquan Treadwell? Bigger, he's faster and he's better. What makes him better than Kevin White coming out? He's, what makes him better than than he's, any he's of these receivers that White. were taken in the first round that have not panned out to do anything in the NFL? What what what, what I mean, separates? I just this? think he's different. I just I I think he's different. And and I, and I don't. So that's that's where I, I just well, think DK Metcalf's over it. Just to you know, butt my head in here. Like I do think uh, it's an interesting conversation we can have just about the value of a receiver in the first round. I think we've seen a lot of teams take first round receivers and be disappointed recently. Obviously, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell, mm-hmm. even Kevin Corey Hart. Davis really hasn't. Yeah. None of us thought. I mean, all, we all liked Corey Davis. Did not didn't like him at four. You know, mm-hmm. and he definitely hasn't really played like Josh, the number four John overall. Ross. John Ross too. So like, and then you see dudes like Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster from these same drafts going in rounds two Cooper and three. Cup. Cooper Cup, like just having so much more production than any of these teams yeah. in the first round. So it's kind of a thing where like, you know, obviously, like I, I'm not, I'm more siding with Tommy when it comes to DK Metcalf. I think he's a pretty special guy. Um, I know, and I think there are some limitations with him, and just in terms of his route tree is not. I think he can be a really good route runner. I'm just saying that he hasn't had a lot of experience. Like, he mainly, he's just been a deep threat. Routes, really. I mean. Yeah, he just doesn't go over the middle a ton, which would concern me, even though he's a big dude and doesn't seem like he shies away from contact. Not a lot of experience running crossing routes and stuff at Ole Miss. Um, so I do think there's definitely reasons to, um, you know, be hesitant to pull the trigger on a guy like DK Metcalf in the top 15, even though... I think he might end up being worth the pick in the end. And I, um, I just want to say, with his physicality, though, when you watch him and he run, the way he runs after the catch, I just I don't I don't fear him going into an NFL camp and like not being able to expand his like I just get the ball in that guy's hands and like just give him opportunities to make plays. It kind of just comes down to that. NFL DBs, huh? NFL DBs. They're they're I mean he's talented. He's more talented than a lot of NFL DBs that are lining up right now. Let's go into our uh, our sleeper picks, Tommy. Who do you who do you have? Um, yeah, there's a lot of directions you could go here. Uh, it doesn't. I mean, I guess this guy, I guess, could go in round one, but I haven't really seen him in a lot of in some mocks. And that's Zach Allen from Boston College. 
This is a guy that I really like, man. When you watch him, uh, he he's kind of like a an oversized defensive end. I think he's like six three or something, like two eighty five or two nine two ninety. So he can he can he has that versatility where you can move him inside, and he just is really good, just a really smart football player, man. And has really good technique, really good with his hands. Uh, not an unbelievable athlete, but just is always making uh, smart plays. Is active at the line. You always see him jumping up, trying to bat balls. Uh, just a, a smart football player, man, that I think is just going to be a really good player in the NFL. Um, and you could kind of see coming in. I wouldn't be surprised if he had, you know, like, I don't know, 10 sacks. Just be a really productive player coming into his rookie year playing with a better team. Is he number two, Tommy? What's that? Is he jersey number two? Uh, yeah, from Boston. Yeah, from Boston. Yeah. yeah. He's 6'3"? He's probably bigger. I, I don't, I don't I really know. I thought he was like 6'5", man. Probably, that guy's a mammoth. Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. Just – he – I don't know. You guys, I'm, when you guys get around to watching him, I'm sure you guys are. He's just fun to watch, man. I see a little bit of him. I like him. Yeah, he's. he's I he's, like him. He's a really good football player. The slobber player. knocker. Yeah, he's a slobber knocker. I feel uh, obliged to bring my man from McNeese onto the pod, baby. It's time. BJ Bunt. Let's go. Let's <laughs> say go. Less has retweeted me on Twitter. You got to love that. Um, Survived it. He's been survived through it. it. Being broke, it's done something to his spirit, and he's uh, he's ready to come into the league, man. No combine invite. We don't care. We just scouting the player. And uh, from like a serious analytical standpoint, it's hard to find McNeese film. Um, I've emailed the linebackers coach and a football administrator at McNeese asking for some all twenty two, and have not heard back yet. But I'm, I'm gonna keep looking. But I've watched. <laughs> I've watched some highlights and, and just done some, you know, watched some game recaps. Don't tell us we don't care. <laughs> and, I mean, he has great production from uh, school. I mean, obviously, if you're playing, I think it's FCS football. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you got to be pulling away the competition, and he does. He's a former DB, too. So he's got really good coverage ability. Just um, he's a little thicker. And, obviously, he's undersized for a linebacker. But I think I kind of compare him to a guy like Shaquem Griffin. Six foot. 210, you know, 205, 210 can come in like third and long, obvious pass situations, provide a little juice off the edge. And then just, you know, he's like, he's just a weak side, you know, three, four inside backer type, you know, a guy who you can put in uh, on passing downs to either be coverage or just add a little juice to the pass rush. Um, Definitely should be a day three pick, in my opinion. I think, and at the very least, he's going to be a special teams ace. For sure. I mean, that's how those guys get on the team. And he's got, you know, great speed. You can put him in uh, kick returns, gunner, stuff like that. I really think he could be able to uh, make some impact plays on special teams, too. So I just think he's got the right mentality. He's, uh, I don't know, we're just, we're going to hope to get him on the pod. Dude, and super, super versatile. Came in mm-hmm. in the senior bowl, played a little outside yeah. backer, like you said, played a little safety, played Had a, a huge game bit. in the Shrine Bowl. In the Shrine Bowl, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shrine Bowl. And I mean, this is a guy that – I love this move clip because it's like – he kind of reminds me – I don't watch too much film on him, but uh, a, a little bit like Shaquem Griffin, maybe a little bit like Jabril a little yeah. bit too, like a, a box guy who can come in and play a little robber and, and bang a little bit, but also a very versatile athlete. We're looking forward to maybe getting him on the pod yeah. later down the line. I'm, I'm going to put out an article. I got, I got two guys – for my that's gonna drop right before the combine. It's gonna be the draft draft season episode. No combine, say less piece. Yep. And we got Darwin Thompson 
running back from Utah State. Yep. Didn't get that combine invite, and then we got BJ Blunt. And so I'm gonna send out a formal invitation and in that. that. Tag him on Twitter. Send a formal invitation. They can come on the pod, boost uh, their uh, notoriety with our vast listenership. Absolutely, love hearing that. And uh, I'll follow it up with. Uh, I will. I do want to introduce the fact that I'll be doing a quarterback room segment. <laughs> segment for anyone who cares out there. So. My sleeper in this case usually would be Will Greer, but you can read all about that in the article that I will be writing about him uh, before the combine within the next few weeks. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna branch out a little bit here, and I'm gonna bring up a guy that I've really liked throughout his college career and watched a lot of, and that's Debo Samuel. If you want to mm. talk a receiver, I think Debo Samuel is a guy who probably will be a day two prospect. I really can't see him. He's doing school. He's from slipping past. Yeah, uh, slot receiver from uh, South Carolina. And this guy is a guy who uh, got snaps from his freshman year and was arguably one of the best players on his football team at South Carolina from his freshman year. Super impactful. Kind of a guy, I I just called him a slot receiver, but you could almost put this guy anywhere. He's just an all-around versatile football player. Very fast, reliable hands, physical. And I just think this is a guy who's a ball of energy and and, and really just a joy to watch. And another guy, like I said, who just is – such a positive impact for his team. He was just almost like a all-around OW offensive weapon for South Carolina for four years. And anytime that guy got the ball in his hands, he did something special with it. He returned kicks. He, you know, it's almost like you could put the guy at running back for Christ's sake. His legs just keep going. And uh, this is a guy who I think will start to climb up draft boards after the combine. And uh, once people start realizing realizing what his his true value is, but I think a team like the Packers or the Colts could take a guy like Debo Samuel in the in the mid second round and and or even you know climb up in in the early second round and take that guy and it could be an extreme value pick for them because I think he's just a great football player and I uh, I he's my he's my sleeper this year. Whew. that was that was some great content. Quick quick piece, man. There's there's so many directions you could go. This is this is gonna be a great draft season, boys. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, no, it really is. This is a fun class. It really is. And then, uh, obviously, go uh, Salt, Salt Lake Stallions tonight. Big game. The club family has adopted the AAF Salt Lake Stallions. They look the most like the Lions. Tommy and I some Memphis boys. Yeah, yeah. And D1, the- Devin, Lucian. We, we're, we're chosen. So I think you guys lost to the Birmingham Lions. Yeah. So that's a little well, – hey. Long season. We got nine more weeks. <laughs> so um, be on the lookout. We're going to try and start releasing pods a little bit more frequently with this draft season. There's just a lot to talk about and uh, can't really be – Putting out takes only one one day a week. Yep, just too Soon much enough. to talk about. Got that Rosen interview coming up. That'll be coming. That'll be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we got a lot of stuff. I've, and then uh, we'll call his mom on speakerphone and just yeah. put her on. What? She says Tommy, right. hot seat. Uh, Dwayne Haskins or Josh Rosen? Ooh, uh, Rosen, Rosen. Interesting. Rosen. Ooh. I just think it's very interesting how um, you know that could be a good segment. Hot yeah. seat. Little hot seat. Little hot seat. Well, hot seat players, you juice. Yeah. yeah. I want Yeah. We. There's just a lot of just like comparing prospects. We. I mean, we'll get into it, but uh, there's a lot of just saying like Riley Ridley or Calvin Hart. I mean, you know, just like. Yeah. Just, I think the quarterback class this year is a lot of fun because I just don't. It's. It's. You know. You can have like any what, of the Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, any of those dudes as your number one Will guy. Will Greer, Ryan yeah. Finley. These are guys that you know. It, it's interesting. The these real, guys are. Uh, the guy, the the only guy who passes the the uh, the Bill Parcells quarterback rules is is Brett Ripken though from uh, from Boise State, four year starter, four year starter, uh, 
over 60% completion. I don't. I forget. Listeners, go look it up. Look it up. Look R- the work. Rippian, Rippian's a good player. He can rip it a little bit. He can rip we'll, a little bit. We'll look forward like to the, that room. That I room want room. to see that Lee Murray, Brett Ripken, episode three. He'll probably do an episode three or four. After Absolutely. <laughs> You know, because he's got to get Kyler. It's a, it's a random order. It's, it's it's whatever I'm feeling. Do you want to do you want to share who the first QB in the room? The we, first QB will be Ryan Finley from North Carolina State. I'm looking forward to breaking down Ryan Finley's great. film. I was watching um, Cleveland Farrell against uh, them in 2017, yeah. I think. Yeah, he had a great game. Finley, Finley yeah. yeah. No, I I like Finley as a uh, potential second round pick. And you're, maybe a guy that the Patriots could be you're looking at. You're watching that Finley tape, and you're just gonna be like, oh, Kelvin Harmon is is a machine, man. Yeah. Talk about a guy who should be going in the first round, Kelvin Harmon. You want to talk about All right. first round receivers? Well, thanks for listening. As always, uh, we'll be back soon. Maybe Tuesday. Maybe. You could fire it up. Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. We have availability. See if John Dolan's on IHOP. John Dolan. Shout out John Dolan. And take eating. <laughs> Put in John notches Dolan and belts. Take eating. Hammer effort. He'll love that. <laughs> All right. Stay scheming. Awesome.